All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Is in the news, and it's been in the news too much. Uh, if you are uh, someone who is concerned about Minneapolis being a safe place, another string of armed robberies, and joining us now on the John Schuster Cobalt Banker Hotline to talk about this is uh, Police Chief Brian O'Hara, the Chief Chief of Minneapolis, who joins us from time to time, and we love to have him on because uh, his frustrations are evident usually when he joins us, and I'm sure that'll be the case today. Chief, thank you so much for the time. Um, I've seen news reports that some of these juveniles who were part of the string of robberies yesterday had been involved in similar crimes earlier, possibly in the same month. Can you confirm that? Is that true? Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, we do. Uh, we have been doing a whole lot of work since we had this uh, robbery spree first start um, about two weeks ago on mm-hmm. the weekend. Was really the worst of it. Um, and we believe that there is more than one group uh, of juveniles involved. And our investigators have really just been doing an amazing job around the clock working to identify uh, as many of these juveniles as they can that are involved. Uh, and yes, uh, last night we made three arrests. Um, that is the result of uh, some really outstanding police work. Uh, it's an incredibly challenging task to deal with groups of juveniles who are going around committing robberies, uh, you know, yesterday morning, four in less than 20 minutes. Um, it's, it's, it's very, very challenging, but uh, we saw the results of really dedicated, great police work last night. And yes, two out of three uh, suspects that we arrested, uh, the investigators had already identified. Um, so I know, uh, you know, we're going to continue working this. It takes time to build evidence, to build cases. Um, but we, uh, there, there, I am very confident there will be a number of uh, further arrests as we go forward. Chief, when you say two out of the three had already been identified, does that mean they had been taken into custody previously? I'm not going to get into specifics, uh, but I can say, uh, you know, even prior to this, um, you know, the vast majority of the kids that we are dealing with are known to us. Uh, so when I say that, I say I mean that we have taken them into custody uh, for crimes before, and it's everything from auto theft to, in some cases, uh, you know, robbery and carjacking and gun crimes. You know, last night uh, our officers, uh, you know, immediately, uh, you know, implemented our new robbery response protocol, uh, went all hands on deck, and that's the only reason why we were able to uh, stop that spree last night and to make some arrests. They recovered a, a handgun that was used. They recovered a, a carjacked vehicle that had just been carjacked at gunpoint uh, in Northeast. And and I, I really have to say this uh, this was literally all hands on deck. I mean, we had help last night from Metro Transit, from the sheriff's office. The state patrol helicopter was up in the air uh, that really helped us uh, put an end to this. So I'm just 
I'm thankful uh, for everyone that came together and that has been working hard in this. And I know there is going to continue to be a lot of hard work ahead so we can get these kids off the street. That's it, though. I mean, and I don't doubt that. And I, I, I've, I'm so appreciative of your officers and the cooperation that you're getting. But when you say that some of these kids have been taken into custody before for violent crimes, I think a lot of people are wondering, how is it that they're still out there allowed to do this? What is your answer to that? Well, that's not, uh, you know, that's not the role of the police. Uh, the best that we can do uh, is we can take action and do our job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that there is probable cause to make arrests and to take people into custody. Uh, it gets particularly difficult the further we go down this road. Uh, you know, the, the greater the volume of crimes that these kids are committing, the more seriousness that these crimes are committing. It becomes increasingly challenging for us to be able to meet the threshold uh, to bring charges in all these cases. I mean, if you, if you think about it, you know, what we're talking about here, what happened yesterday is groups of juveniles, you know, anywhere from three to six, going up and within seconds, putting a gun in somebody's face, robbing them, robbing a woman of, of her purse, of her cell phone, uh, a fanny pack, those types of things, and then it's over. Um, so unless, like last night, we caught them fleeing that carjacking uh, and recovered it, uh, but unless something like that happens, it's particularly difficult for victims to be able to remember and identify suspects, uh, especially when they're wearing masks. Uh, you know, that's why we always want to reiterate with folks, uh, you know, number one, the most important thing is, is your life and your safety. So, you know, property can be replaced. People should remember that. But also, if possible, try and remember any distinguishing character- characteristics uh, about about people involved. Try and get a license plate if you can, because those are all the types of things that we need uh, ultimately to try and build a case. I, I'm glad you brought that up because we're getting a lot of texts too from people who's like, "What what can people do to a lessen their chances of being a victim?" But b uh, in that circumstance, what is the best thing they should do? Well, we do need people to be alert, and we need all people to be alert, uh, really. Um, you know, what we have seen and what, thankfully, what some folks did yesterday uh, is they observed, you know, groups of kids in cars that they thought maybe were stolen, uh, kind of circling the neighborhood as if they were casing and, and kind of looking for a suitable victim. And we did get some calls, and that helped uh, kind of point us in the right direction. Um, and that's what we need. And, and people individually just... You know, just being aware of your surroundings, uh, you know, as you're driving in traffic or, or, and so on, if possible, try not to put yourself in a position where you can easily be blocked in and not be able to escape. Uh, just be alert of your surroundings uh, as best as possible. And again, you know, if something does happen, remember that property can be replaced. As somebody who's covered news in this town for a couple of decades now, knowing about um, youth crime, I've heard over and over again that you know the, the juveniles who commit these crimes nowadays are different than maybe juveniles 10, 20 years ago who did when there was kind of a gang structure, a hierarchy, and that these juveniles nowadays are just basically uh, roam, roaming gangs of kids. It, can you explain is is that or are these are these more organized than we might think? Um, you, you know, I, I can I can offer some facts uh, to me that are disturbing. Uh, I think in general uh, we're seeing younger kids involved, maybe a year, a year and a half uh, younger in crimes than what we had seen in the past. How young? Uh, I, believe, I believe one of the kids last night uh, arrested is twelve years old. <laughs> 
And I don't think that's his first, uh, in fact, I'm, I'm certain it's not his first, uh, you know, interaction with the police. Um, and that's, that's been happening, you know, the last 15 months I've been here as the police chief. I had a 12-year-old that was a victim of a shooting twice within one month in between fleeing police uh, in a stolen car. Um, and, and so while it is not, um, it's not like it's a larger group of proportion of juveniles involved in crime than what had been in the past. I do think it's true, particularly with what we've seen, uh, you know, over the last two years with this whole Kia and Rob, uh, Kia and Hyundai's, you know, joyriding epidemic is these kids have become uh, more active, more frequently involved in crime. And I think in a lot of ways, it is just a fact that what has happened is, you know, police have taken uh, a lot of these kids into custody repeatedly, joyriding in stolen cars, um, and, and they have learned that there isn't real consequences from that. Uh, so I do think to some degree it has become uh, a learned behavior. That's something that we've been fighting against uh, the entire time, uh, trying to figure out ways, uh, you know, to, to ensure that these kids are held as best we can, uh, you know, prior to these things uh, becoming so serious. Because, again, you know, once you get kids that are involved in now a string, a pattern of armed robberies, you know, six during the day yesterday, eight at night. That's a whole lot of cases to work through uh, to try and build evidence to charge. Talking to Minneapolis Police Chief Brian O'Hara, you mentioned the lack of consequences. Um, who is mainly at fault for that? Because we got a lot of texts coming in. I know you have to work with the county attorney to build these cases, and your officers have to do their work to hand to her to deliver on prosecuting these cases, do you feel you've got uh, her full support and that she's doing what she can to stop this? I do feel uh, like all of law enforcement collectively is doing everything that we can. I think the, uh, you know, the, the, the system here has problems larger than any one individual piece of it. Um, and again, there was just there was an article in the paper over the weekend about a whole series of recommendations of things that need to be done to fix, uh, you know, and try and prevent juvenile crime. Um, but what is my responsibility as the police chief is to handle these very serious crimes as urgently as possible and to make sure that the police department is doing everything on our end to make arrests and try and take these kids off the street. Uh, and then there's a whole lot of other elements of government that are involved beyond that. Um, but again, you know, one of the, one of the initial uh, beyond making an arrest, getting these kids charged is particularly difficult and it gets even more and more difficult. Uh, you know, the, the, the more serious these crimes get and the higher volume of crimes that we have uh, involved. That seems bizarre to me that the, the, the higher the level of crime, the more difficult it would be to charge uh, these juveniles. Why is that? Uh, because these are very serious crimes, yeah. uh, just, just like I mentioned. Um, you know, and, and again, like, I mean, just look at the volume of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, this takes evidence. You know, we have to... Uh, you know, we have to try and build cases. There's stuff that, uh, you know, there's, you know, essentially we can make arrests for probable cause, sure. Uh, but if we want people charged and ultimately convicted, the standard is much higher. And I think uh, just the public in general has an expectation that we have, you know, being there is so much technology available that there is, you know, all sorts of video and DNA and, and uh, you know, GPS data available on people, on victims and suspects that we have kind of a, a higher, higher threshold. And again, just, you know, from the most basic uh, concept of this, when someone is robbed at gunpoint, 
being able to have a victim that can identify. That's extremely difficult uh, in these circumstances, especially when people are being swarmed with a group of juveniles for something that is over in less than a minute. And the juveniles, you know, as shown yesterday, are, are messed up as well. If you, you mentioned the article in the paper about uh, many suggestions, if, you, if they came to you and said, Chief, what's one thing we can do right now that would have an impact, what would, what would that be? What would be the top priority for you? When police make arrests and have probable cause to make arrests, whether these kids are in stolen cars, uh, fleeing from the police from the scene of a violent crime, in a vehicle that's wanted for a felony, that these kids will be held. That it will not be something, uh, you know, with so many, there, there just are, the system does have a whole lot of hoops to jump through. Um, it, it cannot be a situation where we're in catch and release just because, uh, you know, the, the threshold ultimately uh, is just so high to overcome. Um, you know, we have to recognize the reality of the situation that we're in. Six robberies in the morning, another eight in the evening happening within minutes. Um, when police are able to make an arrest, we do have someone fleeing police in a stall car, in a carjacked vehicle. Um, I, I, I think that should just be enough. Uh, and we have to at least hold these kids for a little while uh, as best we can to give the police time and investigators time to, to further build out the case. So is that would that mean law changes? So in other words, the people who are critical of Mary Moriarty is she being unfairly criticized because she's just adhering to the laws? I think uh, some of it has to do with law. Some of it has to do with procedures. It's it's more than just the county attorney's office involved. It's you know uh, it's the corrections uh, in in the state and how we deal things. And we've tried and have been trying and have been working with all of our partners as best we can to work through these things, to try and find additional ways. We have gotten help uh, from assistant uh, prosecutors in figuring out, you know, different ways as we're going through this, uh, things that can be added to the case to try and hold uh, some of these very, very active uh, juveniles who are causing serious harm, try and hold them uh, somewhat longer. But I think, uh, I don't think the system here is unique dealing with juveniles. I think this is something that's been happening nationally, uh, where it is increasingly difficult um, to hold kids even for a, a short period of time uh, when they are arrested and suspected in, in, in causing some serious harm. Lastly, Chief, before I let you go, and thank you for the time, um, this is the first chance I've had to talk to you since what happened uh, last weekend in Burnsville, and I know you were very a vocal at the time when we were out at the Hennepin County Medical Center when those officers and that paramedic were, were brought there. Uh, another reminder of, of the dangers of your profession, and I just wanted to give you an opportunity to reflect on that. Um, yes, um, and it's, it's, it's very close to home. Our heart goes out to everyone, uh, Burnsville Police, the Burnsville Fire Department, um, the entire community there, the families who have made this sacrifice of their first responders, and our sergeant, uh, who was shot and is recovering at home, it's, uh, it's a lot. The, I have learned that the law enforcement community here in Minnesota is very small in that there's a lot of uh, people who work in this police department who know and, and have relationship with people who have been directly affected, in some cases taught uh, at school or worked with uh, some of the officers directly involved. So um, particularly at a time where you know, we've all lived through so much over the last three and a half years, uh, and at a time where BCA statistics show that assaults against police have been rising dramatically in this mm -hmm. state. Um, I think it's important to remember that, you know, by and large, we are blessed to have the people that we do, the men and women that we do in this profession, that are still willing, despite all of these challenges, despite you know, all of the negativity, a lot of the hate, 
the broad brush with which they get painted, they are still willing to uh, go to work, put that uniform on every night, knowing that they may not come home to their loved ones and put their lives on the line on behalf of people in our community. So I I think uh, it just goes to show, it's a reminder that despite what people say, this is a noble profession. Um, And and the vast majority of folks are here are here for the right reasons, uh, especially today. They have stayed because they are deeply invested into trying to make this this right. Um, And and it's just, it is an honor to be here working with so many, uh, so many deeply committed professionals. Thank you, Chief, for the time as always. We hope to talk to you soon. We appreciate it. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Chief Brian O'Hara of the Minneapolis Police Department will react to what the chief had to say. If you want to jump into the conversation, lots of texts coming in. 651-461-9226. We'd love a phone call as well. 1126 went a little long with the chief, but uh, that's understandable. Talking about this rash of juvenile crime and his frustration again is evident again that these juveniles, they keep doing it because there's no consequences. And it's easy for us to say, ah, it's Mary Moriarty. And I'm the first one to say, yeah, there's been some questionable sentencing, questionable plea deals that she has made um, that is certainly reflective of a soft-on-crime narrative. And I can't believe I just used narrative, but I just did. But that being said, the chief said it. I, I said, I asked him directly, are these laws in place that really are above her that reflect negatively on her where where she's maybe being treated unfairly here and he said yeah there are laws and it's not just here across the country about probable cause and what it takes to detain some of these kids well then that has to be changed uh let's go to the phones we did have a, a call here uh steve is called in from ham lake steve uh, uh thank you jump in, jump in here what do you think well uh my take on this is is that we need to start passing legislation that makes parents responsible uh, yep. for the neglect of minors. Yep. I mean, this is basically it's a home curfew type of thing. Mm. But um, until that happens, um, I'm not sure we're going to get any place with this. The bottom line of it is, is there's a number of sets of parents that need to be interviewed publicly at each arrest to find out why these kids are all doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're obviously not paying any attention or don't care. Yep. And it's put the entire community at risk. Steve, great point. Thank you for the call. Call in any time. And that's something we've debated, too. Jordan and I talked about that for school shootings, about parents' culpability when, when a student shoots up a school or any kind of shooting. I mean, let's, let's, if you have a juvenile involved in a shooting, there should be repercussions for the parents if it can be proven that there's neglect happening, significant neglect. I get it. There's some kids that are just bad kids. And I know many parents have tried and tried and tried, whether it's bad behavior, uh, substance abuse. And I've known parents who've done just about everything they can, including making the difficult decision of turning your back on a child. And I'm not talking about a 12-year-old or 13-year-old, but an older child who cannot figure it out. And that's a terrible decision to have to make. But they're at the end of efforts and so do I think all parents in all circumstances should be held liable? No, but I think there's some where what kind of effort are you putting in here? And you can't legislate parenting or you can't, yeah. it's, it's a difficult decision, but the one that has to be brought up. Uh, some other textures. Um, 
Well, I won't be going to Minneapolis after hearing that dude, the text referring to the chief. And that's the thing. It's, and I get sick of the, the bashing. Oh, I'm never coming downtown. I'm okay, you know. I come downtown every day. And granted, it's during the day, and I really don't have a problem. And if there's a big, it's again, if there's a big event, really don't have a problem. But cases like this show you that this stuff happens. By the way, Chad is uh, interviewing a carjacking victim coming up at 1235 today. So we're going to hear directly from someone who is victimized. And it's not just bad neighborhoods in the middle of the night. It's happening all over the place. And I don't want to give up on it. I want something to happen. If it's law changes, let's do it. Because we got to do something. uh, This juvenile crime, young persons, the making it so that there are real consequences for bad behavior so that it will deter these kids from doing it in the first place. 651-461-9226. That full uh, conversation with the chief, that will be up uh, soon on the podcast. Also talk to uh, Michael Broadcorp today about uh, the Republican Party, the Nikki Haley factor, why is she sticking in the race. That conversation was at 1030. That's available for podcast. And also Dave Kleist, the mayor of St. Cloud, who spent a full 24 hours, a whole day, hosting a town hall where he had citizens could just come at any time of the day to talk to him. Uh, Pretty uh, uplifting stuff from a guy who's a mayor's mayor who says all politics is local and I should be accessible to my constituents. That conversation was at 935, also available for podcast. The old classic argument of tipping. Uh, People are pushing back against service fees that are in addition to tipping. So my question is this. Why do we do both? Or why don't we just pick one? Or why have them anyway? How about just one flat fee when you go out and pay your servers and your cooks and whomever part of that fee? Just raise the price so we can just pay one thing and eliminate this silliness of, geez, what was this worth? Or how much do I have to tip? That conversation coming up next. 651-461-9226. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, Mel Allen. This, when I was a kid, this week in baseball was a must-watch. Uh, okay, there's another article now. This is Axios, I believe, talking about the fact that we have... Mel Allen was born in 1913. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> oh, geez. Hey, folks, I'm Mel Allen. That's a pretty good Mel Allen, by the way. You have no idea who Mel Allen is. been dead for 28 okay, years. Okay, do you know Vin Scully is? Yes, I know Vin Scully Do you know is. Ernie Harwell? Uh, I've heard the name. Herb Carneal? Yes, I Okay. Okay. Red Barber? <laughs> um, so diners returning to their favorite restaurants after the long COVID winter are noticing new items on the menu, service charges, with a note about a no-tipping or tipping-not-expected policy. Why are they trying to confuse us, is my my question to you. And some of them, by the way, are putting in the service fee and you're still tipping. So 
It's time to clarify this. Uh, I lament the fact if you've traveled to Europe like I have many, many times, you know the tipping. Ooh la la. Ooh la la dee da. <laughs> that tipping in most European countries is you don't do it. Yep. That should be the fact here, too. You know what? Charge me more for my food and include it in that upcharge than pay your people. That's how it should be. Take out this guesswork. Take out this guilt trip we get. I went to the, get my hair cut the other day. And you know how you, and this wasn't a fancy salon. Trust me. This is like just buzz me up. By the way, you didn't notice I shaved my beard. I did notice today. How about I said that? I did a double take when I oh, saw you. Oh, about that. Whoa. Um, so I got done, paid for it, and the tipping suggestion on the screen started at 22%. Oof. Really? Yes, started. And it goes all the way up. It went up to like 30%. Stop it. So did you go like manual? No, and put it in I'm not going to be that guy. I'm, I'm a sucker. I'm like, oh, I guess I got to give you this, what you asked for. I, <laughs> Stop it. Just pay your people more, charge us more for what we what we want. Is that a, is that a solution, Dave? Uh, I would love that. I'd go a step further and, and include tax in yeah. the price. Like there is – I mean, look, we all know that when I buy a burger, it's not the cost of the beef times the bun. and The, the, bun, there's, the lettuce there's, you're paying. There's other costs. There's a lot of other costs. Like you have to – Labor. Pay your rent. Pay the pay person labor. who's cooking it. You got to buy the grill. You got to clean the grill. You got to do the dish. Like I know there's all those things, and included in that is you have to pay your staff. You have to pay your taxes. I don't want to know about any of that. Like, tell me how much you would like for that cheeseburger, and if it's eighteen dollars or whatever, which it probably would be if if right now a burger at a lot of places is twelve, thirteen, fourteen dollars. So now that same burger is going to be eighteen if you include the tax and tip and everything all down the road. Well, that's okay, but then. Should say eighteen on the menu, and that's how much I should be expected to pay. Eighteen dot zero zero. Okay. Short of that happening, I don't think I see that happening anytime soon. Maybe maybe we're on our way there. I don't see that happening anytime soon. What do you prefer if a restaurant says, Okay, here's our fifteen to twenty percent service fee, mm-hmm. no tip, and then there's no line for tip yeah. that that is included. Do do you favor that instead of just your regular I'm gonna figure out what my tip is? I do in theory. But that would need to be explicit um, in uh, you know on both the menu and the bill that you receive because I have a couple of times been given a receipt that already has right so I bought my burger and yep. ta- you know whatever's added and they add the fifteen percent and then the receipt I'm given has an additional place for a tip and that's confusing. If you're going to add a gratuity or whatever it's called of 15, 20%, then it should be very clear that that is the tip. Yes. And you are it should be, not asked even to provide additional tip. It's, it should be in big black letters yep. saying this is included, no yep. need to tip, mm-hmm. and our people are happy with it. Um, you know, some people I would imagine are still going to, for a while, like, eh, here's a little something yeah. extra. Which, Which you can totally fine. do. That's yes. fine to if do. you have a great uh, wait, waiter or waitress. Or but it should be service. very clear that that is not yes, necessary. Yes, not expected. It's already included. So uh, wh- which would, which of the three would you want? You just want this standard tip option? Do you want a service fee? Or do you want it all baked in to the cost of your service, including tax? So you got one bill yeah. 
And that's reflected in the price. Because you're right. Once you get over that initial sticker shock of mm-hmm. like, whoa, geez. But then you realize that's your final price. And that's it makes it clear. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if this hamburger is eighteen ninety five, that's what your bill is going to be yeah, eighteen ninety five. Yeah. I wonder, and I think this has changed some, but I think there was a day when um, many service workers were getting tipped primarily in cash, and then were not reporting that cash. Yep, for tax purposes. Right. And I think a lot of that has changed because we use credit cards now. But I wonder how much that has to do with it. If you're a server, you go. Well, I make this, you know, I only make a few dollars an hour, but then I get tips and a lot, a bunch of those tips are tax free. And I'm not that that's illegal, but that's the way a lot of restaurants operated for a long time. I wonder how much that has to do with it where servers don't want to lose that benefit. But again, with credit cards, I think a lot of that's gone away. I don't know. 651-461-9226. Got to keep the tip option. I don't want to pay every server the same because they all don't have the same level of service. Better service equals higher pay. There is that argument. Okay, then if it's a flat fee, then your service people say, well, you know, I don't have to really go above and beyond. But I disagree. I think your your manager and your owner and your uh, those are the people who are going to notice that service. And granted, right now in this job, in this job market, it's probably difficult to find people. So the service is probably going to suffer right now. But if it's a normal job market where people need jobs and are fighting for jobs, you are going to be the best weight person you can be regardless of the situation, regardless of the tips, because you need that job and your manager is watching. I think that's that's a good idea. Yes, Adam, what happened? that happened to me too in regards to the uh, screams. Starting at 22%. What? I caved. Um, it's always been called pricing a menu, standard price for as long as restaurants have existed. This new so- nonsense is just another symptom of society getting dumber. Uh, we were hit with a 3% credit card fee at a restaurant last night. Hint, a non-fee tip. I don't tip on the tax included. Uh, yeah, I know <laughs> there were several people. Cousin Kyle was always famous about it. Oh, no, no, no. You tip uh, before taxes. Um. No, it's not confusing. It's infuriating when they don't do that or when they do that. Standard tip option, I will tip a good server more than a crummy server. Got a phone call? Who do we got here? Bob. Bob. Hi, Bob. Hey, guys. How's it going? Love the, love the conversation. Also, it's been on a soapbox for the last couple of days with uh, a few of my buddies. So I agree with you that the it'd be nice if the price was the price, right? It'd be Standard very easy price. and very yes. convenient. Yes. Yep. One thing that a lot of people don't know is in 2021, there was a state statute that the business owners need to. So my soapbox is that there's service fees. Get up on that soapbox, Bob. Let's go. And on top of that, you know, if you use anything other than a credit card, there's a, there's a service fee or some bars like Jimmy's bar and grill. They have a, like a health and wellness fee okay. that goes, but nobody, nobody tells you about any of these additional add-ons and so specifically regarding the um the service fee if you use anything other than a other than cash uh, they can go up to i think it's five percent and for each occurrences each occurrence the state could find the restaurant up to five hundred dollars if they don't have it both and uh, orally tell you about the fee and have it posted oh really so they're supposed to tell you they're yep. supposed to actually tell you yep that's a 325g Point zero five one, which is uh, surcharges on credit cards. 
So it says... Now, did you memorize that, or did you just have that? Like, are you looking at the book right now? <laughs> no, I, I recently did it. Okay. Uh, that's pretty good. I have it in front of me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. All right, so Bob. That's my feedback. Thank you, Bye. sir. Thanks. Uh, get up on that soapbox anytime. According to... Uh, Statute 287.064. But the point is that you need to be clear. If you're going to deviate right. from the commonly held practice where you're adding tax to the bill and then offering an opportunity for the tip, that's what we've been used to for decades. And if you're going to deviate from that and add a fee, it needs to be both written and communicated verbally by a, a, a staff member. So, yeah, that's great. If they do that, then fine. I, then we can make a good decision. We recently had visitors from Germany. They were appalled to see that they were what they were required to pay was not the price as advertised. In Germany, all taxes and fees are included in the price. Look to the Germans. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.